course. I mean, I've been a fan of yours ever since. I remember at Buy Me Chanel, I work with her at YouTube, and she always was recommending you. And I was like, this girl has style. <laughs> Are loving it. So I love your page. Um, and so we'll get into some rapid fire questions okay. and then I'll ask you about like how you became a creator okay. and your whole your whole life story. Yes. So <laughs> to get started, what is your big three in astrology or your like favorite personality test or like something like so, that? So I am a Libra. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, related. Thank you. I still need to figure out what my big three is, but I am I just recently learned that I am a manifesting generator. I am too. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm trying to like learn all the human design things. It's so interesting, but I feel like it's just so much information. <laughs> I feel like that's like astrology has been something I can understand because I feel like we've been fed different astrology yeah. things growing up. But with human design, it is so complicated yeah. and there's so many different yeah. things. So I agree. It's hard to learn. It's the one thing I haven't di- like I haven't dived into. Yeah, I'm like thinking about setting time aside to like read through all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You should because I want to learn more. One hundred percent. And manifesting generator means you have your like hands in lots of pots at all all the time, which makes sense for you. Sounds like me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so okay, we'll we'll get into that later. Yeah. But what is your hometown and where do you live now? So I am from Brooklyn, New York originally and I currently live in Englewood, New Jersey. I got to hear about that because yes. I feel like the Brooklyn people are like anti-Jersey and the Jersey really? people are in. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Sometimes I hear people say that. I remember um, a friend of mine was like, he would never move to New Jersey because like he came up with some weird excuse. And I'm like, what is the whole New Jersey versus right. Brooklyn thing? Like, I don't know because it's like that's not what's happening That's elsewhere. so weird. And a lot of my friends in Jersey, they used to live in New York. So... Exactly. Can we all just come together? Come on, we're nearby. It's <laughs> exactly. just a few minutes. Exactly. Exactly. So, what is something about your personality that makes you feel really smart? I would say the fact that I know that I don't know everything that really humbles me. I know that there's still so much out there for me to learn. That makes me feel smart. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once I get into the mindset of like I know everything, which I don't do, I think. I will end up in a situation where I realize, no, you don't, girl. Like, mm-hmm. And that will make me feel stupid, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's what makes me feel smart, just knowing that there's still so much more to learn. I just feel so intelligent when I think about that. That's so true. I mean, like, I think a lot of people, when you're super young, you feel like you know everything, yeah. and then you get in this place where you don't, and that's so humbling. No matter what it's about, whether it's work or life or friendships or anything, you yeah. get you don't know it all, girl. No, it sucks. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> 100%. I love that. So what's something about your personality that makes you feel that is superficial in, like, a fun way? I think, like, superficial is such a negative term sometimes. Yeah. And it's it, funny. When I think about super superficial, I think more about the negative side a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I have yet to think about, like, the fun side. Something that does make me feel superficial. I'm sorry to go back to the negative part. <laughs> but, like, if I'm in a situation where I just cannot be myself, like, that makes me feel so uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I've experienced that in, like, many different aspects of life. And I'm just learning how to, like, cope with those situations. Like, I really want to be sure that I can be myself as much as possible in all situations. Sometimes that's hard in the workplace too. You put on this new face and it can become uncomfortable at times. So working through that hump still. Oh yeah. I think something new to learn there. It's good to know that like you still feel that in the corporate world because I think 
that's such a, once you get into the corporate world, I feel like a lot of companies these days are like, bring your full self to work, be this, be that. And it's like, in reality, if you actually do that, backlash is is not far off, you know? And I, I know so many black women I've worked with who will start talking about, oh, I care about diversity and inclusion and then be branded as yeah. something that like isn't going to help them get promoted or right. whatever. And it's, it can be a lot. So it's definitely challenging. So to continue with the rapid fire, yeah. what is your most important self-care practice? My morning routine. And I can't down, wait to hear about it. Hands down. Mm-hmm. Um, without it, like I cannot function properly. Mm-hmm. So my morning routine, hands down, is something that I definitely need to have in the morning or else I kid you not, I'm not the nicest person. <laughs> I'm I'm right there with you 100%. So finally, what is the worst advice you've ever received? Something that lives rent-free in my head and more so now as I like talk a lot more about my endometriosis. I remember when I was in high school, a friend of mine, well, someone I was really close to in high school, her mom told me, don't wait too long to have kids. Interesting. Yes. And that is so hard to hear. Yes. And at the time, I was 17. Oh, my God. So I'm just like, if I did not know better or know what I want for myself, how would my life have been if I took the advice of an adult, right? At that time, like, I'm still a child, and this is an adult, and this is the advice I'm being given. Obviously, she's not my mom, she's not my dad, but still, you just look at your elders like, you know, someone who knows everything. I think today I know that she meant it from a good place, and what I mean by that is that they have said, like, women, after you have kids, like, your period symptoms are a little different. I think she was trying to tell me to, like, have a kid so that, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I think there's other things I can do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have to go through a traumatic yeah, birth yeah, experience. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think like there is so much pressure on women to not just have children, yeah. but get married, but do yeah. all of these things. And it's a little more, I think as I've gotten a little bit older, I'm only 23 now, but I have so much pressure coming at me in all these different areas to like move faster in my life than I was ever like planned for myself and I didn't expect it to affect me so much and I think you're that's what you're pointing out here is like you were 17 you weren't thinking like oh this person is like the end all be all but that still will stick with you because it's a societal expectation right Right. and that can be so hard so we can get into so much so much here (laughs) let's get into your background before we get into these tough topics so tell us about you your career and who you are today so I am, I like to say I'm an influencer and a creator. I look at them very differently. I think that there are influencers that influence, but they don't really do the creative aspect of it. I do both. Um, I also do have a day job. I work at Unilever on Dove, um, so I'm in marketing. But I really, really love the beauty of having a day job and being able to have my creative outlet. I focus on lifestyle and wellness. I love to do a little fashion. Um, I love to do beauty as well at home. I don't want to put myself in the box. I get very bored if I just stick to one thing. So MG. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. Manifesting generator. I, it makes a lot of sense now. Um, but those are the, the beats that I definitely focus on. I love yeah. to see it. So how did you come to start doing that? 
So to be honest with you, I have been quietly doing this for a long time. Ever since I was in high school, I always was interested in like magazines. I wanted to be an editor so bad in fashion. When I graduated from college, um, one of my first jobs was at Vogue magazine. I was freelancing in the accessories department. And then I left that job to do an accessories editor role at another company. So I ended up doing like the whole editing fashion thing. And from there, we were working like with a lot of like influences at the time before they were a big thing like Hannah Brothman and stuff like oh, that and I always loved that they were doing something that spoke to them you know they were just being themselves and my whole thing is I want to live life for a living I want to live my life for a living I want to be able to do the things that I love day in and day out and at the time it was just like fashion and beauty like I would just post about that I literally recently came across a YouTube video that I did when I was like 19 and I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe I did this. And I don't think anyone has ever seen it, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to hold this there to me because like, I'm going to show this one day. I just did it for fun. I had a blog when I was in high school. I just used to just blog for fun. Never thought it would be, become a thing. And then I just kept myself really small, Alexis. Really? Yeah. I just kept myself really small. Some of it was fair. Some of it was at the time the jobs that I had where there was a conflict of interest. Like, I just kept myself really small, but I just did it quietly because it felt good to me. Like, you know, you're doing your own little fun little thing. And then as the pandemic happened, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this risk. Yeah. I'm going to do more of what I love to do. And it's just so crazy that what really helped me get to where I am right now is my diagnosis. Really? Yes. Yeah. I did not talk about like my period pain for a lot of, for years. As I mentioned, like the advice that I got when I was, when I was 17, at that point, I did not know I had endometriosis. I didn't get that diagnosis until 2021. So that's something that a lot of women do not get diagnosed until they're in like their thirties or whatever. So that's one thing. But when I got diagnosed, prior to my diagnosis, I was just sharing more about this period pain on social. And I did it more so because I was like, how the hell am I the only person talking about this? Amongst my peers, amongst my family, and no one knows what I'm going through. And it became like so frustrating for me that I just had to be like, I had to ask myself, I had to ask God again, because I've asked him this many and many, many times, why me? Why me? Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized that, hey, why not you? And I'm like, okay, I need to share my story. I need to talk about this. So as I started to talk more about like my period pain and I took my audience through like my whole surgery and all this stuff, I realized that I was building a deeper connection with my audience. So it was that, my endometriosis, and also the other thing that they really connected me to my audience was the fact that I wake up so early in the morning. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them found like inspiration or motivation by someone else waking up so early in the morning and doing things. And like by 8, 8 a.m. I'm already dressed and like ready to start the day and people are still like mm, waking up or like they're now brushing their teeth or whatever. So I had asked my audience, like, okay, if I did, like, a 5 a.m. challenge to help you guys, like, would you want that? And it was an overwhelming response. So that's another thing that really helped me, like, yeah, create the audience that I have right now. And I'm, like, so thankful. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's interesting because a lot of times I felt that same question of, like, why me? I feel like the, this thing must be so easy for yeah. other people. I'm putting in all this work or, like, also, like, why do I have to be going through all this pain? Mm -hmm. And then 
And then you realize, okay, I'm here to inspire somebody. And I got a message recently that was like, on your good days, you remind me that I can do it. She also like lives with, she has an autoimmune disease. I have MS. So Mm -hmm. she was like, on the good days, you remind me I can do it. On the bad days, you remind me I'm normal. Mm -hmm. And like, that was the biggest thing that I could ever hear from someone because endometriosis specifically is something people don't talk about people don't know about and is very scary and I mean anything having to do with women's reproductive health no one wants to talk about publicly so for you could you talk us through that journey of how you got diagnosed because that's it's a long time to go through 2021 it's very recent yeah yeah so yeah I got my first period when I was 14 and um, I'll never forget this like I was at my mom's job and I went to the bathroom and I saw this little dot and I told my mom, she's like, okay, you got your first period. How do you feel? And I couldn't understand why she was asking me, like, how do I feel? Because I'm just like, I'm okay. Yeah. And she went to her car and got a change of clothes. Um, My mom was like one of those moms that's like always prepared. And I didn't know she had a change of clothes for me in the trunk. God forbid this day was to come. But thankfully she did. I didn't have any discomfort or anything like that. But I'll never forget that that question that she asked me stayed in my mind because I was just asking myself, like, what am I supposed to experience, mm-hmm. right? A couple periods later, I started to feel a lot of pain in my stomach. I would be in school, hunched over in class, like, shaking my legs, mm-hmm. hot flashes, like, and no one else around me knows what I'm going through. And I was so confused. I thought something was wrong with me. So I went through that all of high school, and one year in high school, um, I was hospitalized for my period. I was in so much pain. I went to my guidance counselor, and I told her, like, hey, like, I'm in a lot of pain. Like, I ended up vomiting in her trash can. Like, I'll never forget that day. And she called the ambulance for me. They admitted me for five days. That day, though, I was diagnosed with, the day that I was admitted, I was diagnosed with dysmenorrhea painful periods right that's what they call oh, it okay. but there's this menorrhea one is this menorrhea two so one of them is could be from endometriosis or other underlying causes from then on i was just under the impression i have this menorrhea i have this menorrhea you know i just have painful periods but something in the back of my mind because i ever since i was little I used to love to research things, especially when it comes to wellness, like Mm -hmm. DIY things, like I was making avocado masks, egg masks on my hair. Like I just love doing those kind of things. When it came to period camps, I was looking for everything under the sun that can help me relieve this pain. And the more I did research, the more I kept seeing this E word. And I'm like, reading through the symptoms, and I'm like, could I have this? Like, I'm not sure. But I do know I had a cyst before and it ruptured. So like all those things can also cause pain. But I kept like ruling out the endometriosis for myself because... I know the only way to find out to have is to have surgery. And I'm terrified of surgery. Mm. So for years, I'm like, okay. So I go to doctors and they all tell me the same things. Like, oh, we'll give you this low estrogen birth control. You know, that will help, whatever. And I didn't like the way it made me feel. I was on low estrogen from since I was 14, 15. And I didn't like the way it made me feel. And it was actually hard for me to be on the Western because when I got to college, I was doing a lot of travel as well. I went to Italy, I went to China. So like the time change is different. You forget, like it was just too much for me. So I got off of that. And then I just went through like all these different remedies again, trying different things, seeing what feels better, being, you know, prescribed different medications like naproxen. I was even given morphine once. Like it was, the pain was just so damn bad. Fast forward to 2021, um, a friend of mine had recommended me to her GYN and I met with her and she told me like, you know, well, the way I treat my patients, 
I don't do the actual surgery until we rule out everything else. We tried everything. Would you like to try birth control again? I'm like, fine. So I tried the patch. I was on the patch and I was like, okay, I think I'm going to have a good period. Girl, that period after being that patch was so bad. I was in so much pain. I'm like, what? I just wanted to rip that thing off of me because I'm like, why am I even on this? And I remember calling her office and saying like, I'm in a lot of pain. Like, I let's just do this. But she was on like maternity leave at the time. So yeah. thankfully she was back the, like the following month. And she was like, okay, let's do this. Let's like put you through all the preliminary, preliminary, I can't even say that word, preliminary exams. Let's do the preliminary, I'm trying to make sure your editor has good content. He'll be all right. Okay. Let's make sure you do all the exams prior to the surgery so we can rule out anything else, like whether or not you have like five boys, whatever. They have a five boy, but it wasn't anything to interfere with the actual surgery. We did the surgery, and I was diagnosed with microscopic endometriosis. And I was just like, that's one thing I've never seen. Like, yeah. I never heard of it. In all your research. Right. Mm-hmm. Basically, my endo is so embedded in my muscle that there was nothing for them to remove. So basically, when they do the lap, you can remove like any kind of like scar tissue that they see. There was nothing for them to see to remove. Just like so, it's like hidden. Yes. Ooh. So I'm just like, so I'm gonna be in this pain still, and um, I remember just thinking to myself, okay, Lisa, now it's on you. You need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. During all of my research over the years, and learning that stress is something that triggers our periods, right? How we are managing our stress in our lives. I started to take inventory of my stressors and thinking about whether it's like me causing stress on myself or my environment or friendships or relationship, whatever the case may be, what is it, right? And I always had this thought in the back of my mind that like I need to find ways to reduce those things because I want to make sure that my body is like reacting in the right way. A part of me felt like in order to reduce these symptoms and this pain that I've been going through, I need to work on that area of my life, right? It was not just diet. And for the most part, I grew up eating healthy, right? Like my parents were very big on like not eating junk food. Like junk food, if we had it, it was a treat. Like not that we never had it, right. but like it was a, a treat, right? Not to say that even though we ate well, that I was having enough nutrients for my body, because that's another thing, right? You may be eating well, but you may not be eating enough of the things that you need for your body type. We're all bio-individual. I knew for sure, okay, maybe in the food area too, there's some changes I can make as well. I need to see if I am deficient in anything, um, where are my hormones, how are they stacking? But I also knew that whatever's stressing me, those two things need to work hand in hand, right? Mm-hmm. Food, stress, like I need to figure out balance there. So I started doing more research on that after my surgery. So I had my surgery in March of 2021 and then July of 2021, I enrolled in IIN. So that's the Institute, Institute of Integrated Nutrition. I enrolled more so to find out more about my body, to help heal myself. I wanted to know more. I wanted to know all the things about mm-hmm. holistic healing, holistic living. Their whole thing is like, you know, Your primary food is the food that's off of your plate. So your career, your relationships, your social well-being, like all of those other things play a role in our well-being. And sometimes people don't think about that stuff, right? So I'm like, okay, all of these areas, I need to work on that, right? So 
I started taking the courses and at the end you get a certificate to be a health coach, which is great because once I was doing the courses and learning so much, I'm like, wow, I can help so many other women, but not just women that like have like any kind of like period pains or endometriosis or anything like that. But like as far as women who just want to elevate their everydays, right? Routines and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, I'm learning a lot. I feel like I can help others, but I need to also help myself right now. So I embarked on my holistic healing journey and I really just started to look at all parts of my life. And I really, really got head down focused and it was not easy. It's still not easy. I went through a really deep depression that summer as well. It hit me so hard. Like it was like a dark cloud following me everywhere I went. It was just a lot going on too, because we're all like going through the pandemic and like work is getting a little bit harder as well. We're all working from home and you know, everything just feels so intense. But at the same time, you're trying to focus on your healing. So then I I got therapy end of that year because I'm like, you know what? I need more. I need more guidance here. You know, uh, I need help. So I did that too. But I just got really serious with how I'm taking care of myself and doing all the things that made that helped me make sure that I am putting myself first, right? So if it meant like, you know, just me being alone, which I am now, and just focusing on my healing, focusing on myself, getting to know me and understanding like certain things about my life, me, my healing journey, you know, that's what I just have to do. And it has been helping me get through this process so much. And I, it's something that I wish I knew more about a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But here I am. And I'm just sharing my journey with my community. And I realized that, like, I get so many DMs from other women saying, like, you know, I don't have endometriosis, but I've always wanted to live alone. You know, I've mm-hmm. always wanted to understand myself, learn myself, do certain things as a woman. A woman, And it really, like, touches my heart every time I read something like that. Like, anytime I post something on Instagram in regards to, like, my healing journey, my endometriosis, you know, me being on this journey alone right now, I post and I cry. Like, I cannot sit there and watch it. Absolutely. It's the hardest thing. It's so tough. And I think, like, that's to recognize and accept that you have a disease or something like that is, I don't think that I've ever really fully done that with my own stuff because it's just traumatizing to admit, you know? And so, but I think it's interesting that you're inspiring so many women to put their own healing first because that's something that feels so hard whether it's healing or just like putting yourself first period and it's such an act of like bravery and I think for you I it comes from a place of wanting to avoid this pain that's been haunting you your whole life but for a lot of people the pain is is not necessarily physical but it's in all of their relationships and they're trying to avoid that so that they can figure out who they are and so it is such an inspiration even though it all comes from different places so absolutely oh girl I think that (laughs) It's it's so scary, but to be this vulnerable online, what yeah. do you think gave you the strength to do that? To be honest, the fact that I felt like I was alone in going through the process of like that pain for so many years. I have seen some, like when I did my research, I've seen people talk about like, okay, I've done this to help my period and I realized I had less pain. Like you would see things like that. But I didn't see anyone really talking about, and not not to say that it don't exist, I just was not seeing it. Mm -hmm. And 
I wasn't seeing women talk about healing from endometriosis and going on this actual like holistic healing journey, right? Sometimes when you think about holistic healing, you see people talking about herbs and stuff like that. It's, it doesn't stop there, you mm-hmm. know? It's more than that. So for me, I'm like, okay, if I'm not seeing this, maybe this is a space for me to talk about this and help others, you know, and spread that awareness. So I think for me, that's where I felt like, okay, when it goes, when I went back to going back to me saying like, asking God, like, why me? That's when I started to realize my purpose, mm-hmm. right? Like, this was given to me for a reason. Like, as much as I would like to think of endometriosis as the devil, it's not. Mm-hmm. I don't see it that way right now. Like, God gave me this because He wanted me to amplify this message, and I'm just gonna continue to do so. Absolutely. Yeah. So for people who might be struggling with endometriosis or who want to embark on like a holistic health mm-hmm. journey, what do you would you say are like the three biggest changes you made in your life that like have helped you mm-hmm. live with less pain? I would say, first of all, doing the hard things, mm-hmm. doing the hard things, because I was in a relationship with my high school sweetheart for 18 years and I did not realize how much about myself I did not know. Wow. And that's something that is something that I definitely needed for this healing journey. To be alone? To learn who Alyssa is. Mm -hmm. And growing up, just seeing like my, my parents, you know, I grew up with my parents, the people around me, like, you know, husband and wife, like I've never seen anyone in a long-term relationship too. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is, this is it. I'm just staying here. But I didn't realize that, no, I need to experience me. Mm -hmm. I need to learn me. So as hard as it was, it was something I had to do so that I can like really double down on my healing journey and focus on me. It becomes so challenging when you're going through like such an intense healing journey and having to show up for others at the same time. You know, it's a season for me where I have to be really selfish or else if I don't, it's just not doing me any good. And who am I to pour from an empty cup? Like I have no use to anybody if I don't focus on me right now. So. I mean, there's there's so many different things, right? Because like even with your healing and like there's certain space that you need, you know, and they might, that might not work with a partner, right? It, it can, but it depends on your situation, right? But for me, I know that I needed to be completely alone so that I can focus on me, focus on my goals, focus on this damn healing because this pain is not it. I am happy to say that from the time I was 14 to now, like my periods have gotten better because I have made these changes. I am not completely pain free. It's more manageable, but mm-hmm. at times there are, there are months where I know that I just need to take a sleep. Right? Mm-hmm. I just need to lay down, listen to my body. I would say, like for women that are looking into embarking on a healing journey, sit down and jot down the areas in your life that you are feeling like the most discomfort. See where you need to make change. You know, we all know what we need. We try to talk ourselves out of it. Trust me, I've talked myself out of many things, many times. We all can write our own wellness prescription, mm-hmm. right? And no doctor knows us like how we know ourselves. Absolutely. So my biggest advice is write down those 
write down that list and figure out what you're going to tackle first and how you're going to do it. And it's going to be scary. And some people may not understand it. That's what is hard about it. I think, especially if you're a woman who's also a people pleaser, mm-hmm. which a lot of us are, is we, like, I think that, but the moment you really start to heal is when you stop worrying yeah. about what other people think because your healing comes first. It's not about what other people are thinking about you. And that is, but that's, there's no like easy way out of stopping caring about what other people say. No, you know, it's a part of the process. Yeah. It has to happen. I feel like it has to happen. You learn so much from it, right? You learn and you also learn how to get better with your boundaries, right? Because there are those who may feel like they were so used to knowing certain things about you and then they realize you're not sharing certain things and they take offense to that. And sometimes it's just like, I can't talk to anybody about this right now because I'm still trying to process it myself, right? Or just understanding like those who are meant to be in your life, no matter what you decide to do with your life, they will be there. Mm-hmm. You know, if they can't, if they, if people disappear during your healing journey, they were not meant to have this version of you. Exactly. At all. Exactly. That's what it is. I think a lot of us try to continue to please people yeah. that we don't even like. Right. And that's not helping anybody, yeah, no. you know? And I think what you said about knowing what you need, but I do think, a lot of us are focused on pleasing people we don't even really like that much. And it can be really scary, but the fact that we all really know what we need to cut out because your emotions are such a good barometer of what's happening in your life, you know? Like, I know, like, for example, an area I've had to, like, really recently, like, approach is my relationship with alcohol because at my job it's like a very you know alcohol forward like culture or whatever and as someone who has basically three full-time jobs I can't afford to wake up and feel like unclear all the time you know what I mean and so I knew in my heart okay I need to take a step back from this substance but like no one else could tell me that because it's not like it was negatively affecting me that much but like it it was something that I noticed that I needed to really figure out and think about so I think it's important for all of us like it might be your relationship with food it might be your relationship with a family member who's draining but you know like I, we're we're way smarter than we give ourselves credit for yeah yeah definitely like we know exactly what we need to do (laughs) as we know (laughs) so it sounds like your relationship was a big area that you had to set a huge boundary with there but it sounds like you've had a good relationship with like food and wellness for throughout your life so are there any tips you have for people who might be struggling in that area that might want help with food wellness etc yeah I would say to not be so hard on yourself when it comes to that because I think people think about wanting to make changes for themselves in that area and they get so stressed. They don't know where to start. Um, It's more about just like finding foods that you like and finding like the healthier versions of it, right? So instead of like eliminating it, just like invite more of the healthy versions into your life, into your diet, and eventually you'll just crowd out all the other stuff. Just take baby steps there. It sounds, sometimes it may sound easier than it is, but I think just having fun with food too, you know, making healthy meals at home that like, you make a ritual out of it, you know, make some dinner, play some music or whatever, make it fun, make it something that you look forward to. You know, sometimes when people go on like diets, and I'm not big on diets, but when people go on diets, they're like, oh my God, I'm not looking forward to this. You know what I mean? Like, 
do what feels good to you at the end of the day. Like, mm-hmm. it's also a mental thing. So much. People forget that, like, your relationship with food can really impact, like, how you're thinking, how you're feeling with yourself. So making sure that whatever you're putting into your body, you feel good about it. You're happy about it. If you want to eat the cookie, have the cookie, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, make sure that everything else that you're eating is something that you know is nourishing your body, right, in a different way. Finding a balance. You can do, like, the 80-20. Mm-hmm. 80%, like, you're eating plant-based, healthier foods. 20%, you'll hang out, have fun, eat whatever the hell you want, you know? It's all about finding your unique balance. It doesn't apply. It's not one size fits all for everybody. What works for you may not work for somebody else. So Absolutely. Yeah. I think what I've noticed with that is as someone who was deep in the diets and then deep on the other side was like, just eat whatever you want, whatever you want and whatever you know you want, mm-hmm. like the intu- intuition. Yeah. I think a lot of us block that intuition yeah. where it's like, I know what's going to make me feel good right now is not going to Chipotle for the fourth day in a row. Sometimes maybe, yeah, when it's exam season, whatever, sure. But like, I, I would never say never on anything with food, but for me personally, I know what my body needs. And if I'm choosing to ignore that out of habit, that's one thing, but it's important to remember, like, you know what you want and what you want is to feel good and to feel clear and sharp and like your digestive system is working well and that type of thing. So it's important to really like take a step back and think about it rather than like adhere to anyone else's rules because those will never work for you like no matter how many degrees that person has no it's all about finding what works for you and like also when you start to do that process of like inviting more nourishing foods into your diet and you invite the other foods in you'll start to notice how the other ones are making you feel Mm -hmm. you will notice you'll know girl (laughs) you'll know and then you have to ask yourself do which way do I want to feel you know and then you'll decide exactly everyone knows (laughs) so I would love to know more about your routines your rituals because I love an early morning girl (laughs) I love a ritual girl so please walk us through your morning routine yeah so first of all I just want to say this especially for those who are listening because I know this 5 a.m thing is something that's buzzing all over social media I am naturally a morning person so I just want to get that out the way i been like that for a very very long time I grew up in a household where my mom is also an educator she was my teacher when I was younger too which is so Mm -hmm. cool but I had to wake up when she woke up like I naturally just continue waking up early regardless however in my 20s I was waking up early in the morning and I was not using that time wisely now I would wake up and I would pray and at night I would pray too that was just something that my mom instilled in both my brother and I But after that, it was very much like I was opening my computer, like emailing and stuff like that for a job I had at the time. And that's when I was working in fashion because I just wanted to like climb up that ladder so badly. And it led to me burning out. Like Alexis, I would be on photo shoots blacking out. No. Yes. Because it was just too much? I was just overworking myself. And you had this health that you needed to focus on. That's so tough. Yeah. Basically, I would wake up and like look at my email, start emailing, whatever, and then that's when I was still living in Brooklyn at the time. Commute to work on the train, go to the office, work some more, and I'll just be there, like, working. I had to have a talk with myself and just think about, like, my future, like, my goals, uh, my long-term goals, and how the habits I'm 
I have right now, how are they helping me with my future goals? Clearly, they were not helping because if I'm blacking out, I'm no use to anybody, including myself. Mm -hmm. So I remember my dad telling me, like, you know, you die on the job, they replace you tomorrow. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, up to this day, that lives rent-free in my head as well. These companies really can replace you the next day. I started like, and I I always love listening to like podcasts, like productivity podcasts. But then I was like, okay, let me learn more about routines. Like, I was specifically looking at routines of people who were successful because I wanted to mimic. Like, if they can do it, I can do it too. But I want to know what the what the hell they were doing mm-hmm. on a daily basis. So. There were two books that I actually came across. The first one, I can't remember, but it was a quick read. It was on iBooks, super quick. But the second book, which was the game changer for me, was um, The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And basically, he talks about how to create a morning routine that you look forward to, right? How you're spending that time, what you're doing. And I sat, I read that book on the train every morning on my way to work. And I created a whole new morning routine for myself. And ever since then, and this is in my 20s, I'm 34 now. Mm -hmm. Ever since then, I have this morning routine that I do. Now, I will say, my morning routine, I have things that I do all the time. But then there are days that are things that change, right? Right. So whether it's exercise, you may not do the same exercise one day, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, things change. And it's good to keep them, keep it a little different, keep things interesting, right? So... I wake up at five and I also have a dog. So sometimes we fight between who's going to get this part of this morning. I wake up at five and when I wake up, I'm usually buzzing with ideas in the morning. So I have like my journal on the side of my bed or a notepad, whatever. And I would just like write down whatever's on my mind. I wake up with the most crazy ideas. It's insane. But that's another story. Uh, (laughs) Freshen up, hydrate. And then I would do like a guided meditation yoga i would do very very quick yoga not nothing too long especially on weekdays I, my morning routine needs to end by like 8 a.m when i need to like shower and like get right. rest and get ready for work and then i would walk dj um i'll try to keep his walks for like 15 to 20 minutes in the morning because they can be longer if we bump into other dogs and yeah they want to story yeah mm-hmm. but then when i come inside and make my breakfast i was like i would listen to like a podcast or something um in the morning just to get my day going like keep my day my mind right you know get into that right mindset but that's typically in a nutshell you know jotting down something um in the morning I don't I like to journal but I do not journal every day I write every day but I'm not journaling every day I realized when I was journaling every day that it kind of felt like it was forced like I was forcing myself to write down thoughts so I started to journal when I feel called to do so, mm-hmm. when I have a lot on my mind and I want to get it on paper. It feels more enjoyable that way. Also in the mornings too, quick skincare routine. I don't go too crazy, especially on weekdays. My weekend morning routines though. Mm, girl, what you doing on the weekend? <laughs> I've got to know. I just love having a slower morning. Yeah, it's so like the beauty of a weekend morning. Yes is so exquisite yeah <laughs> it is so yes. good it is the best mornings for me they are the best mornings for me because i can do everything at a much slower pace the weekdays it feels like i have to like you know cut things down but i love the weekend mornings. so the weekend mornings are literally the same but they're just slow i have more time to do and that feeling love. yeah it's so yeah. good it's so good yeah. 
Do you have any favorite podcasts you could recommend for us? Yes. So I love to listen to, oh my God, Huberman Lab. Me too. I just got into yeah. him from my friend It's Mew Jules. She yeah. was on the podcast yeah. recently. I was listening to a lot of his yeah. stuff. He just gets deep in the science. He's so good. And I will go hiking on Sundays and I will like listen to him mm-hmm. as well. Like he, he's so damn smart. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. So good. I love listening to Jay Shetty as well. So good. Yeah. I love him. I love him too. And I also listen to, oh my God, his face is in my head. Is it Lewis House? No. Oh my God. I listen to this guy all the time and I'm just blanking now. You're good. You've indexed it to me. <laughs> I'm on the Instagram. I'm excited. But you, you yeah. definitely know him. Oh my God. He just wrote the book. One more thing. Oh, um, Ed Milet. Ed Milet. Ed Milet. Is my guy. Yeah. He's like, good. He. Okay. I started to listen to Ed Milet in 2017. Oh, wow. When I started to do it, I started to go 2017, 2018. I started to work out in the gym. And for some reason, him, he just gets me so pumped. In the gym? Oh, my God. I bet. Listen to him in the gym, girl. It's just like. I listen to Megan Thee Stallion exclusively in really? the gym. I don't listen to her out of the gym. I can't really listen to music when I work but out. But, yeah, that's so interesting. Because, like, <laughs> I feel like I don't have, like, a strict routine yeah. with it. But Megan Thee Stallion Essentials, I'll play it on yeah. when I'm working out. And it's it's fun. So, sometimes I'm like, am I listening to too many yeah. podcasts? Because I feel like I'm just taking yeah. too much of yeah. information. Sometimes I can do the music. But sometimes mm-hmm. I need to hear, like, I'm going to try that. Yeah. No, Ed yeah. Milet, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he's talking to me. One more. <laughs> Do you have a book or a few or books that you would recommend or a book that like changed your perspective? Other than The Miracle Morning. I do think you talked about, I remember you posted one book on your story and I immediately went and bought it. I don't remember which one it was, but I do think you talked about that on your Instagram. So yeah. the girls can follow you if they want recommendations. Yeah. The, oh my God. Why am I blanking on everything tonight? Yeah, because it's 7.30 and we both work the full day. <laughs> That's why. Because for the girls listening, we don't always have time. So oh, it's my crazy. God. Yeah. Um, the Blue and White book. You know this book. Yeah, I, I do. Too. <laughs> Is it um, James Clare book? Atomic, no, Golden White. Atomic, Atomic Habits. Habits. Atomic Habits. That book made me realize, like, girl, you think you have a proper routine? Like, yeah. Your system is all wrong. <laughs> yeah, that man, the like you I re- I recently reread it because I was like, oh my god, like my habits are all over the place. I'm so burnt out. And then I was like, damn, like I got so much work to do. I thought I had so much mm-hmm. I thought I was doing it until I opened that damn book. Nah, that man's different. <laughs> He's different. His newsletter is also good. Yeah, I need to subscribe. Yeah, his newsletter is also good. Do you but, have an evening routine? Yes. So, right now, though, my evening routine is in a bit of a transition. And I say this because ever since I started taking content creation more seriously, that my five to nine involves a lot of that, too. Um, and also in my morning, too, I, f- I forgot to mention that I also use, like, morning times to, like, film reels when mm-hmm. I can. Um, and then evening time is a lot of, like, editing them. I work from home most of the time for work, which is great. And at 5 p.m., yeah. shut that laptop, and plus my dog at that, around that time, he's ready to go outside anyway. So I start to wind down around 5, and I would put on the kettle before walking him so that, because I have that stack electric kettle, so it stays on. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I come in, my water is still hot, and I can make some tea and just start to wind down, have some dinner, 
and listen to music. I love to play like my Alexa Echo show and play some kind of like R&B at yes. night. Um, that really gets me in the like unwinding uh, mindset, but definitely making some changes there in my email routine because I have a lot on my plate, Alexis. I'm oh, not yeah. even going to, like, I have a lot on my plate and we're approaching holiday season. So it's grind time. <laughs> it's grind time. It's grind time. I am very mindful about how much time I spend on social media. Mm-hmm. Prior to uh, summer, I was like, I would do like during the week, maybe an hour or two morning, evening on social. But I have to cut that down even more. It's like I literally have to post and close the app. I feel the same. And I have to engage on a different day. And it's so funny because I think, and this is something that I want to mention because also during your healing journey, as you're not using social as much, there are some people that may not understand like why you're not engaging with their content. They might take it personal, but it's nothing to do with them, right? I have so much on my plate. I cannot keep up with everything and everyone right now. Like if I do, I'll just be doing a disservice to myself. You know? Exactly. So I, exactly. I have to prioritize that. But in the evenings, walking DJ, unwinding with my music, some tea, freshening up, taking a shower. My skincare routine, I try to do it earlier, mm-hmm. six, seven, so that Me my too. skincare is like on my face for a longer time. And then I would try to like read a couple pages of a book before going to bed. Sometimes if my mind is just like buzzing and also like with my role, my day job, like I have to be on top of like different news and trends, stuff like that. So sometimes I do have to end up looking at social media mm-hmm. and then you fall down this rabbit hole oh, and yeah. I'm just like, God damn. <laughs> um, but also working on my boundaries there as well because I just need to prioritize my mental health. So yeah, that's my evening routine. Just Absolutely. relaxing and reflecting. And- yeah, and I think it's important to know like a good morning routine starts with a good evening routine. That's the most important thing. If your evening routine is in shambles, there's no way you can get a good morning routine. Mm-mm. Like it starts at night. Absolutely. It starts Every at night. Time. Yeah. Okay, so you've given us resources, you've given us routines. The last question I like to ask everyone who comes on the show is the following. So, finish this sentence with something that you want young people or other people to know. You are too smart for... You are too smart to not take the risk. I love that. I love that. So many of us, we know, because we know what the risk is. You yeah. know what the risk is. Yes. Thank you so much of for course. coming on. Where can everyone find you? If they you want can to find me on Instagram, Alyssa JF, Alyssa underscore JF. On TikTok, Alyssa double underscore JF, because TikTok won't give me the other handle. It's so annoying. On, underscore yes. on YouTube, Alyssa Francois. Are you posting on YouTube, girl? Yeah. What are you posting on there? I, I've been like, my endometriosis journey is on there. Yes. Yeah, I also started to post like my healing journey from this year on there. Still editing a couple more videos. I have April, May, June, July. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but it takes yes. a while for me to edit those videos. Oh, they're so difficult. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then I have like up until now my birthday. So, um, so, so, I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we love it. Yeah, love to see a good girls. 
Thank you so much for listening to Too Smart for This. I am so grateful that you took the time out of your day to take a listen to these conversations. If you're looking for more content, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Two Collective. And don't forget to follow me, your host, Alexis Barber, on the Gram TikTok as well. Don't forget you can also watch our solo episodes on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Alexis Barber. And we do a weekly giveaway of PR products or Amazon gift cards to girls who leave great reviews down below. So please make sure to leave your reviews and follow us on Instagram to be notified in case you win. And with that, do not forget that you are too smart to not love yourself and see you in the next episode.